0: Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Well, I feel like my life has come full circle today. At 17, I was a manager of a Burger King. (laughs) And I used to give out those crowns. But they are not sponsoring this worship service this morning unless they want. It is Christ the King Sunday. Christ is being celebrated around the world as king. And so we have beautiful arrangement on this table thanks to Katie Stark and those who who prepare and, and decorate our table with flowers each Sunday. We are on the cusp of Advent, as Bobby mentioned a moment ago, preparing for Christ's coming. But we're talking about Easter. In fact, we sang an Easter hymn just a moment ago. Because before he comes again, Jesus must first leave. Before his manger, there's a trial. He was such a good and compassionate man, you know, a healer. He raised hope in people, he set people free, but he's being charged with pretending to be king, which, as you know, is political sedition, that's treason. Now, he hasn't really pretended. It's those people from back in John 6 who began to want to make him king because he fed them with a miracle. But he wouldn't let them. How do you indict a person on charges of being good and compassionate? You don't. And so you accuse them of doing something criminal. They say he pretends to be king, which is a threat to the current king. Caesar, And so Jesus finds himself in the praetorium under interrogation. The scene is this, a courtroom. Pilate will play the judge. Jesus will be his own defense. The mob outside are his prosecutors. And the question, where are his witnesses? Are you the king of the Jews? Are these Pilate's words... Or the words of the mob. Jesus responds, do you say this or do other people say it? In fact, who wants to know? He already knows. Jesus knows the inside of each of us. So why ask? Because Pilate has said what the world thinks. But he has not yet said what he thinks. Pilate is only repeating what others have told him. So Jesus makes him wrestle with his own beliefs. Truth is, you don't even know what you believe until you hear yourself say the words. You can't get away with quoting people who never and never repeat yourself. I was accused once of quoting others. So-and-so says, and -and so-and-so says, I was guilty. Because they wanted to know what I thought. I didn't know until I spoke those words and owned them for myself. We begin in life repeating what our parents have told us about God. Then we may quote our Sunday school teachers. We may repeat something the pastor said... But a sign of growing maturity in faith is in taking responsibility for our own beliefs and opinions. Do you say this? Or do others tell you? We quote others. Why? Well, we fear being judged. We don't commit to any position. We feel we are neutral, think we are safe... But Jesus doesn't let us get by without quoting ourselves. Won't let us avoid commitment. We have to wrestle with and give voice to our own beliefs. Notice that Pilate deflects the issue once again. Am I a Jew? He shrugs off the question. He won't weigh in on what he thinks about Jesus am I a Jew? am I one of your temple goers? I don't know this religion stuff I mean if you don't know anything about baseball are you required to say anything about designated hitters or instant replays Or Pilate says I don't play I'm not a Jew is he? In the Gospel of John, the title, The Jews, represents a whole world rejection of Jesus. According to John, Pilate is a Jew in that sense. Because notice that even though Pilate despises the Jews, Pilate is already on his way to becoming one of them as he interrogates Jesus, as he continually goes out to ask the Jews and to speak to them. Am I a Jew? You hear him. Because if I am, then are you my king? Ironically, yes. Jesus is his king. It's, It's funny, isn't it? Pilate Here, the envoy of the great King Caesar, king over the massive Roman Empire, interrogating the king of the entire world, the creator of the entire cosmos, asking him if he has the authority of king over a tiny little country. John wants us to laugh at the hilarity of the scene. Am I a Jew? Pilate says no, we know he is. All those who reject, are you my king? Now Jesus could have said yes I am, but that's not funny enough. It's not as funny as letting Pilate fumble his way to his own answer. Listen to him. What have you done that your people would betray you? What have you done that your people would put you on trial? You and I know he's innocent. Kind and compassionate man. Healing and giving hope. Jesus could have listed his good deeds. He could have accused the reverends of hypocrisy laid it out straight, but he never answers directly, does he? Instead, he says this, my kingdom is not of this world. That is, my kingdom is not like your kingdom, Pilate, not like Caesar's kingdom, not like the kingdoms of the world with military might. As he describes, if his was, then his people would be fighting, and he wouldn't have told Peter to put back your knife. Pilate, you would not understand my kingdom. So you are a king. You say that I am. Pilate is right. It's ironic. In John, so many people who know that Christ's true identity are strangers and enemies. Read it. But his own people do not know Him. Or if they do, they deny their relationship to Him. So Pilate, a stranger, an enemy, no longer quotes what other people say. He seems to figure it out himself. Even if he doesn't fully understand it, Jesus is King. Not the kind that he would or we would imagine. But he isn't far from the truth. But this is no trial. First of all, the whole interrogation is a comedy. We're supposed to be laughing. Jesus turns the table on Pilate, interrogates Pilate instead. Jesus is the one asking the hard questions. He's in control. It appeared... To be a trial of Jesus. But it turns out to be a divine comedy. The real trial. Well where are the witnesses? Because you can't have a trial without witnesses. Where are those who would speak up for Christ? Who know him? Who could speak to what he has done? They're all outside. They're outside with the prosecutors. The hard questions are actually being asked outside. The only real trial that night was around a charcoal fire just on the other side of the wall from Christ where Peter was being interrogated by Pilate's guard. So how did Peter do as a witness? You already know. You're not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And Christ's number one witness replies, I am not. And then a slave, a relative of the man whose ear Peter sliced off, said, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And Christ's best witness once again says, no. I tell you, I do not know this man. The real trial. The real trial is that you and I will be called upon to be faithful witnesses. We can't quote others. We have to say it for ourselves. And when we are put on the stand, we are expected to tell the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. Tom Long writes, Christians understand themselves to be in the biggest court case of all. The trial of the ages. He asks, what is at stake after all? Well, the very nature of truth. What is real and what is not. That everything is at stake. For example, was the universe created by a loving God? Or is the universe a blind and random collection of cold stones and burning embers floating through empty space, unshaped by a creative hand? Or are human beings created in the image of God, full of purpose and meaning, or is life just a hodgepodge of meaningless stories and empty tales? Or are human beings created to be together in communities of harmony and trust? Or is the law of survival of the fittest our only fate is being generous a virtue and a calling or is it just being stupid is sacrifice and service noble or is it just a losing position on a never ending battle for power so when we stand at the grave of someone we have loved can we hope to meet one another again in the by and by. On a brighter side. Or is this merely weak sentimentality? or cowardly denial of the cold, hard, brutal facts. You see, everything is at stake. And you are on the stand. Christ's followers summoned to tell the truth at this trial. We're not the main witness. The main witness has been crucified and taken. But what are the secondary witnesses supposed to do? When we are called upon, we speak the truth about life to the jury of this world. Long tells a story about Heidi Newmark. She was a pastor of a Lutheran church several years ago. She got to her church. It was in the Bronx, South Bronx, one of the poorest places in America. She realized on the first Sunday just what kind of church she was going to be pastoring. When she looked down under the Lord's Supper table and she saw a box of rat poison right next to the communion wafers and the leaders, officers in her church were former addicts, undocumented aliens, unemployed, recently homeless. During Holy Week their congregation celebrated the whole span of Holy Week with a passion play. They began with finding a donkey and an actor to play Jesus. And they began by processing around the church, outside, around the shabby buildings and old, worn down apartments. And as they made their way around, they encountered a protest. Some injustice had occurred, and there are protesters. And Long says it's so fitting Jesus and the protesters, Jesus and the crowds, the demonstrators, the congregation. And the streets, the cries of Hosanna, the cries of social outrage mingled, he says, in a swirl of movement and noise. In fact, someone passing by noticed and feared there would be trouble and actually called the police who brought some color and drama to their, their processional. Somehow they managed to make it back into the church where the play unfolded. And Jesus was tried, condemned, and executed. And then the women returned the first day of the week. They stayed in character. And the disciples stayed in character, believing that what the women had told them was an idle tale. But then the script of these three uh, three members of the congregation was that they were to stand one by one and testify... To the truth, I know that he is alive. Each one was to begin that way. The first one was Angie. Angie stood and said, I know he is alive because he lives in me. And then she told them about how she was abused by her her father. And how she fell into despair and alcoholism and became HIV positive. But then she said... I responded to the welcome of this church. They welcomed me in. I started going to worship and Bible study, and I rose from the grave in my own life. And now I'm a seminary student studying to be a pastor. I'm alive, she said, because Christ lives in me, and I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Two other witnesses stood and recited the script. I know He is alive. But, then the whole congregation began standing, one by one, unscripted, and you couldn't stop them, she says. They stood, I know that he is alive, he is alive in me. The homeless stood, the former addicts, now clean, stood, the least and the lost, one by one, stood, nothing could stop them. I know he is alive they shouted, corroborating testimony to the witness of Jesus, adding their own word to the great testimony, telling the truth about what they'd seen, what they'd heard. John puts this story, really a story of Peter's trial. This opportunity for him to be a true witness alongside the phony trial of Jesus. Why? To show us that the real trial, the real trial for Christians is when our key witness is gone. Everything is at stake. This is the trial of the ages. And we practice in here where it's easy but when we are called on to testify outside, can you stand and tell the truth? Let's pray. We praise you fully in this place, O God. Christ is King. But when we walk out these doors, we're gonna need courage to stand up and speak the truth. Give us that courage, oh God. The courage to speak it in here before other followers and more out in the world. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the official podcast of Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. For more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook by searching for Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge. We're on Twitter and Instagram as at Broadmoor underscore BC. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you on Sundays.